1: Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We have our final look at our message called Christ Crucified the King of Glory. As we close out the week, we do so one more time, looking at John chapter 3, verses 9 through 16, and the necessity of being born again, who it is that gives us the ability to be born again, and why this is something worth rejoicing over. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast, A Way of Grace.
2: What does Christ mean when He say in verse 14 these words, and as Moses... Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Do you notice how he immediately goes from the concept of revelation? An opening of the heavens so that men can see God's glory and know something about God's purpose? Immediately now, he enters into a discourse around what happened in the book of Numbers, where the people of Israel rebelled against God, and God sent serpents to bite them. And he told Moses, the solution to their dying is a lifted up serpent. You guys remember that account? Christ moves directly from an open heaven to a lifted up serpent. And I want to show you how you cannot separate verse 14 and 15 from verse 16 and have the truth. You cannot separate verse 14 and 15 from verse 16 and have the truth. In fact, the construction of verse 14 and 15 is the same as verse 16. Watch what it says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What is he talking about, ladies and gentlemen? His crucifixion. John twelve thirty one. If I be what? Lifted up. Notice what he says in verse 15. Here it is. Now watch this. That whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have what? Have you noticed that verse 15 is exactly the same construction as the end of verse 16? So that you can separate verse 16 from the last part of verse 16, and verse 14 and 16 say the same thing. Verse 15 and 16 say the same thing. Only verse 14 is an explanation of verse 16. Look at verse 16 now. And I'll show you why it is important for you to never go, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, notice how that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life is the same as verse 15. So, what we have a word to call a coupling statement. Verse 14 to 16 is one coupling statement. Are you ready? Verse 16 is what. It's called the manner or the uh, expression of God's love for us in Christ. And verse 14 is what we call the mode of God's love for us in Christ. Verse 16 declares to us that God loves us, but verse 14 demonstrates how he loves us. Verse 14 for us is the mode of God's love. Verse 16 is the message. Y'all got that? There is a declaration for God so loved the world, but there's a demonstration. As the serpent was lifted up on the pole, even so must the Son of God be lifted up on the pole. And ladies and gentlemen, if you give the declaration without the mold, you darken counsel by words without knowledge, and men have no idea what you're talking about when you say for God so... Let me explain that so y'all can go home. (laughs) Please understand, salvation is not about how you feel. And that you have John 3.16 posted in nightclubs, at baseball games, football games, every entertainment center you can know only tells us those people who do that don't know John 3.16. And the sinner that will investigate John 3.16 will be met with John 3.17 through 36 when they begin to say, what do you mean by God so loved the world? See, it feels good on the lips because we love to sell everything in religion. But when you begin to peer into John 3.16 and you go, would you please explain to me what it means for God to so love the world? First thing, slow down your soul, because the word soul there is the key to verse 14. In this way, God loved the world. In this manner, God loved the world. In this mode, God loved the world. By this expression, God loved the world. Not that God loved us so much. You hear it? All the time. It's as wrong as wrong could be. This is not about the measure of God's love, but the mode of God's love. And may I say to you, when men and women discover the mode, they hate the master. When they discover that except someone die in your stead, you're going to hell. When they discover that you need a substitute, To take your place. Because right as of now, far from God loving you, you are under the wrath of God. Right now, you are the farthest away from God's love. As it stands while you're on the outside of Christ. And you have not come to see the lifted up serpent pointing up to the lifted up son. And you have not come to learn that your sin condition is so bad. That unless somebody takes your place, you will end up in hell for sure. Oh, that's too offensive for me. See, I thought God loved me so much. This is why Christ said in our same text, we'll pick it up next week when I talk to you about the key. Because see, John 3.16 is not the kingdom. It's the door to the kingdom. And the door to the kingdom is a king who took the place of sinners and became the crucified Christ. That's the title of your message. The crucified Christ is the King of glory. Now, if you're going to ever see the glory of God, you got to see the crucified Christ. That's why God said, lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Lift him up so the whole world can see who my son really is. So the whole world can see what their condition really is. So the whole world can know that the only way you can know God's love and the pardon of your sins is this way. As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, and those rebel rebel people who were arguing against God were dying. Every day they were dying by the thousands. Dying! Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Yeah. And the soul that sin is what? That's right. And there's a day appointed unto every man, wherein he will die. And after that, the what? Christ is appointed the judge of every man. Now, all of a sudden, John three don't feel good. See? Are you guys with me? It don't feel good. Now, because John three sixteen shuts you up to a revelation that you don't like. Oh! John 3, 16 ain't about me. It never was. It was always about the Father and the Son. And this is why Jesus said, except you believe on me, you will perish in your sins. This is why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way you're getting to my daddy. Ain't no way you're getting to my daddy, except you look straight through me to him. Are you hearing? Christ has given Nicodemus a vision of the door. And now he's looking through the keyhole in the door, and guess what he sees? The crucified Christ hanging between heaven and hell. In a moment, that crucified Christ is going to be for Nicodemus what that crucified Christ has become for many of us. Are you ready? The King of glory. The King of glory. The King of Glory. He's going to transform right before your eyes, and you're going to see Him as the love of God in propitiation for your sins. And your heart's going to bust open, saying, "Is this the way in which God loved me that He gave His only begotten Son to be a propitiation for my sin?" Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. See, y'all are supposed to be shouting and running around the church now. But I am sure that my generation of men and women don't care nothing about the gospel. All they want is what they can get from God. All they want is what they can get from God. But when you understand that God has shown you the ladder to heaven and on it is an enthroned Savior who when he came down here, he died for you and bore the wrath of God for your sin and then went back to glory to prepare a place for you that where he is, you may be also. When you come to see him in that kind of redeeming, immutable, unchangeable glory, it becomes amazing to your soul. He loved me. He loved me. He loved me, but he loved me this way, in that he gave his son to me. So let's look at our our fifth point. The new birth has as its grounds the crosswork of Jesus Christ. That's verse 14. What Christ is doing now in verses uh, 9 through 16 is showing us the satisfaction that allows for men and women to actually be born again. Would you agree? Ain't no born again experience until Christ dies for your sins. I have said it long ago, and your Bible has this paradigm. Before the water, there must be blood. Before the water, there must be blood. Before the water, there must be blood. The Israelites came up against the Red Sea, a body of water representing baptism. Is that right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But how did they get to the Red Sea? Blood on the doorpost. When I see the blood, then I will pass over you, and the judgment that I will put on the Egyptians will not come near you. You can't have water without first having what? Blood, except the blood flow. The wind will not blow. The Spirit of God will not save you until you come to know who it is that saved you, why it is that you need to be saved, and how He saved you. The Spirit of God is never going to dishonor gospel-less preaching. Are y'all hearing me? He's never going to dishonor... At the end of a message, if Christ was not preached you can be sure the Holy Ghost is not going to act because he will never dishonor the Son. The only way a soul is going to know the refreshing power and illuminating work of the Holy Ghost is if he's brought near by the blood of Christ. And when we preach Christ and show men and women his mediatorial work and the offices that was given to him in order that you and I might have an open heaven... We thank God for the death of Christ. This is why Paul said, I glory in nothing save the cross of Jesus Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I am now living. I live because and by and through the faithfulness of him who loved me and gave himself for me. Never separate the cross from the love of God. Are y'all following me? Never separate the cross from the love of God. God don't love you oh that much. He loves you more. For he that spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely Give us all things. So dealing with our, our final point, let, let me look at that. Let's deal with our sa- final point. Here we are, the satisfaction of God in Christ. Are we there? The death of Christ is, you were, you were at the right place. The satisfaction of, uh, of, of God in Christ, the death of Christ is a what? Propitiation for our sin. Do you see that? If you're going to be a Christian, here's what you know. God had to punish your sin in Christ. Propitiation means that God is holy and your sin merit God's wrath. Propitiation means that God took a sacrifice and laid it on an altar and slew that sacrifice. And the blood of that sacrifice now becomes your atonement. You got that? So when we say that the death of Christ is our propitiation, that's Romans 3, 24, 26. You don't have to go there. Secondly, the solution to our sin is a what? Don't ever forget it. The most important word in your Bible concerning you is Substitute. For if that word was moved, it doesn't matter what God did. If he didn't do it for you, you're still in trouble. Am I making sense? The word substitute is so important. When we go Christ died for, that word literally means as a substitute. Hallelujah for the word for. Hallelujah for the word for. The solution to our sin is the substitute. That's the lamb motif. Y'all know it, 1 Peter 1, 18. As much as you know, you were not redeemed with perishable things, corruptible things by the vain tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who as a lamb without spot and blemish was offered up by God for you that your hope might be in God. Y'all remember that Bible verse? No, y'all don't. (laughs) But with the precious blood of Christ, As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Why did Christ come into the world? For sinners. Why did he manifest uh, manifest God's glory in the incarnation? For you and me. That we might know who God was. That we might see God. Remember, no man has seen God. Only he who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath what? Revealed him. And I am sure that I am not meeting regenerate sinners, born again sinners, who don't have the highest interest in that lamb. I am sure you don't know Christ where the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is not your ultimate and almost exclusive interest because Christ's death it's actually the only way that you and I can return to the Father. Going back to our point, going back to our fifth point, so I can close. We're almost done here. And our final point, I want you to capture this idea. And then I want to close with a, a, a phraseology. Here it is. The third one. God's righteousness and justification and therefore satisfaction is what? God's righteousness and justification and therefore satisfaction is What? Here, ladies and gentlemen, what I've said in point E is this. There is nothing about you and I that God accepts as righteous. Right. So when you hear the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God, don't ever stop there. Because the verse never stops there. And when I hear the crooks use that term, they're flattering you again. You are never in yourself the righteousness of God. Never. The verse is plain. He made Christ to become sin for us. Him who knew no sin became sin for me, of whom all I knew was sin. In order that I might become the righteousness of God in him. The moment I am outside of Christ, no righteousness. The moment I am inside of Christ, all of God's righteousness. All of God's righteousness. Everything beautiful about God, I am in Christ. Did y'all get that? Everything beautiful about God, we are in Christ. I don't want to divert here because I want to close with a word I've been meditating on, but you know what I love about the gospel? The gospel is so scandalous. It's so scandalous. You know what God has to do for you and me who actually believe the gospel? He has to justify us. He has to justify why he saved you. Wait a minute. Now, I know you're having a real hard time believing I saved her and I saved him and I saved them. But let me justify them. It's really not about them. It's about him. It's really not about them. It's about him. Now, I know you can't quite get this, but what they are, they are not in themselves. They are only what they are in him. Now, if you really want to get why they're saved, get him. If you get him, you'll get them. If you don't get him, you can't get them. Because all by themselves, they need justifying. And the gospel we proclaim justifies the ungodly, the ungodly, the rebel. Therefore, we never justify ourselves. Nicodemus is looking through the portal of John 3.16, as I said, and John 3.16 is simply a door. It is not the kingdom. It is a door that must be entered. And the key to the door is in John 3.16b, which we'll deal with next week. Without the key, you don't get Christ. Do you hear me? Therefore, John 3.16 is not the unconditional love of God. There is nothing conditional about John 3.16. If you don't qualify, you don't get him. Isn't that what it says? For God loved the world this way, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But what if I don't believe? Then you don't get him, and to hell you go. Sounds very conditional to me. Sounds very conditional to everyone who does not want to cast their brain to the side and move out of emotionalism. Doesn't it sound conditional? The most conditional verse in the Bible is John 3.16. John 3.16 splits the whole world in half. It separates between the elect and the non-elect. Between those who are chosen of God to see God's glory in the person of Christ and the rest of the world who says, go to hell, Jesus. Are you hearing me? John 3.16 is the dividing line between men and women who know their sins are so bad that the only way they can get right with God is by that man hanging on the cross. And they're not trying to negotiate another way. They see that serpent, and he becomes glorious to them. Glorious to them. And may I say, he actually becomes for us the king of glory. Oh, the wonder of God's King to bear in himself the poisonous sting. For those who did at first would hate the one who saved them from their fate, took all the venom of their sin and bore the wrath of God within and gave to them the blessed key that led them to another tree, a tree of healing and of life that ends the pain of sin and strife. Now, both these trees are found in Christ, the tree of death and the tree of life. There's one way in and one way out. And this we know without a doubt. By faith we know. By faith we come. By faith we see. By faith we shout. There's one way out and one way in. And if you bow, then you will win. Lift up, lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory will come in. Lift up, lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory will come in. 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 Lift up, lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory will come in. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace you're growing in your love and adoration of jesus christ that's the goal and the intent here at way of grace that we might understand the amazing love of god in christ if you would like to obtain a copy of today's program you've got a couple of ways you can do that cds are five dollars simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you or if you're Internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file, in MP3 version, and that one's free. Grace-bible.com is our website. That's grace-bible.com. And again, if you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of study in God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510. 510- 886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX, in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end. And we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you would like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510 510- 8869782 9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. I don't
2: care what they might say. We love
0: Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway.